you're now tuning in to a sports talk podcast produced by the right way sports network and ceo malik Wright. be sure to follow the team's social media on instagram at tws net on twitter at tws net and on facebook at the right way sports network we want to change the way you view sports and get your information and there's only one way to do that the right way Welcome to Inside the Block, episode two, brought to you by the Right Way Sports Network. We're your hosts, Jacob and Adam. Today, we're going to be talking about the outcome of the NFL draft and so much more. So let's get right into this. The Ravens take Patrick Queen at round one. Adam, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, with Patrick Queen, you know, he's kind of been a guy that's kind of been compared or said to be, you know, kind of Ray Lewis Jr. And, you know, there are some similarities with that, you know, especially with their measurements coming out of college. You know, Patrick Queen stands at, you know, six foot and one inch, 230 pounds, where Ray was six and a half or six feet and one inch as well. But, um, you know, they're about five pounds difference. And they're two picks off. And, you know, for me, I think their play styles are a little bit different. You know, Ray was more of a ground and pound, kind of, you know, hit you in the mouth, linebacker, whereas Patrick Queen is a little bit more of a coverage guy. And, you know, he really does well with picking up the tight ends and running backs. And, you know, the stats really show that as well, you know. Last year, he didn't. There was no reception longer than 20 yards that he allowed on 488 coverage snaps, which is just absolutely insane. Great. And yeah. in all of those coverage snaps, he only allowed 12 for 12 first downs, which is just unheard of. And you know, for us, our first round linebacker history has been really, really rich. You know, the four yeah. other first round linebackers that we've drafted are Ray Lewis, Peter Bulwer, Terrell Suggs, and C.J. Mosley. And I, I mean you really can't ask for any four better linebackers and hopefully hopefully the fifth can really make a name for himself and really kind of join that group as, as you know, the next great Ravens linebacker. And I think for me, he was probably one of the better value picks that we had. You know, he was really top 15, top 20 on 95% of big boards. And we got him at 28 without having to trade up and, you know, give up picks like we would have had to for Kenneth Murray. And, you know, I really think that he was the better fit for us anyways. You know, we really needed that coverage linebacker, you know, that's really just going to take over the middle of the field and really take away the passing game from that side of things. Um, You know, but that doesn't take away from how he is as, you know, getting to the quarterback and his tackling ability. I mean, he had the most pressures at the inside linebacker position in the SEC last year with 11. So, you know, I mean, he can really just do it all. And I think – this was also a really safe pick for us, but I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jacob? So, Queen is the only th- is the only the third uh, first round linebacker in the Ravens history, and he's behind two extremely daunting shadows of Ray Lewis and C.J. Mosley. Despite not he was not my preferred choice, but he was still the better choice. We didn't have to trade up for him; we didn't have to lose picks for him, which is always a plus, especially for a team like us who likes to trade back more than he. He's a side to side. He's a sideline to sideline guy. He's not. He's no Ray Lewis or C.J. Mosley, though, as you've said. He's a coverage guy. He's not a run stopper or a hit you in the mouth type of guy. He will just. He can cover anything that you need to as a linebacker. His tackling needs work, of course, but you can, as I will explain later, Malik Harrison will counter that, and Harrison will, or Queen will counter Harrison, which is a just a symbiotic relationship or a perfect duo that we could use exactly. on this team. So 
He's and he's only. It is fair to note that he's only had one good year in CFB, but in that one year, yeah. his production, his his production was NFL level. His stats were NFL level. His For sure, CFB yeah. Championship game was NFL level against a top team, if not the top team in CFB. On your uh, depending on your opinion, he's got that. He's got that NFL intelligence. Be able to has that ability to view those plays and react to him immediately. So I think he is, he was not my choice, but he was the right choice. Yeah, All right. Definitely. So the Ravens take OSU running back JK Dobbins at pick 55. Um, I mean, JK, you know, obviously for me, at least he, he was RB two. I mean, I, I think Agreed. behind Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and even he could even push Clyde for for RB one. I know that that's higher than most people have him, but you know, again, that's just me. I think the stats show for themselves how good this guy really is. You know, I mean, he had over two thousand yards rushing last year, six point seven yards per carry, twenty three receptions for two hundred forty seven yards, which is ten point seven yards per catch, which is just insane. Twenty three total touchdowns. He had the most 15-yard, 15 15-plus-yard 15 carries in college. He touched the ball 809 times and only lost three fumbles. I mean, that's incredible. And, he, you know, he really, really thrives in the run-pass option offense. He, he had the highest percentage of his rush attempts out of any other running back in the country at 57% were in the run-pass option offense. And, obviously, the Ravens led that category by just an insane amount last year. And he really thrives in pass blocking reps as well. He had 148 yeah. pass blocking reps. And just to put that in comparison, Jonathan Taylor only had 32 last year. So, you know, there's a lot of production for him in the pass blocking area. And, you know, at, at 55, some people really felt like that wasn't a need. And, you know, it, it wasn't. But it when was there's a guy that could be a top 25, top 30 pick, that's just – too good to pass up at 55, you can't. And that, that's exactly what DeCosta yeah. said. You know, he, he felt like yeah. he was going to be off the board by 30. And at 55, he was just too good not to take there. So, I mean, yeah. I when it happened, you know, that was definitely a, wow, like, let's go moment. And, you know, it still really gives that feel that he could be, he could be really a good piece for the future for us. Yeah. As you said, the best player, are, um, he was not a need. The Ravens aren't known for going for positions of need. They are more well-regarded for going of, towards the best players available. And just so happens that this best player available will benefit us in the near future, depending probably about two years, 2021. And I am not a guy to do pro comps. I do not like pro comps. I am not good at them. But you, there is a very similar Ravens running back named Ray Rice that he matches almost exactly. His height is the same. He's five pounds more heavier than Rice. Both were picked at 55, and, of course, he was number 27. He had a historic career at OSU, only being behind the two-time – yeah. he had a historic career at OSU. His yardage is only behind the two-time Heisman winner, Archie Griffin. He's got a great elusiveness. He's got – he is reliable receiving back. His vision is the second level, and it's just his expl- – he could work on his explosiveness. And that will be his thing to work on. But luckily, we have 
some explosive backs on our team. So I think he was he wasn't the player we need, but as the, the Ravens go, we are a best player available type of team. Teams who go toward the position needs have typically failed. Unfortunately, the Bengals were one of those teams last year, if you watch. They tried to just fill their position needs, and he went in and he got – or they went in trying to just fill in their gaps, and now they are – or they had the first overall pick, which apparently benefited them in the future, but it worked. All right, so up next, the Ravens took Justin Matabike, the Texas A&MD tackle at number 71. Yeah, I, I mean, that was also just absolutely insane value there. Um, you know, I mean, he was projected to go top 50, you know, really second-round prospect, and we ended up getting him at, you know, 71. I, I mean, there, there's just so much to like about the guy, and I really think the only reason that he fell – that far is just because of it, because a little bit of, you know, inconsistent in the stat sheet. Um, but, you know, I mean, he can really take over a game if he really wants to, you know, it's just occasionally he'll disappear a little bit, but, you know, I think we'll go a little bit more in depth on that a little bit later in the show. Yeah. As, as he, as Adam said, he is our skill of the draft. So we will go over him a lot more in depth at that section. Ravens take Texas wide receiver, Devin Duvernay at pick 92. I mean, what what's not to like about this pick? You know, I think last year during the Titans playoff game, one of the biggest concerns from a fan perspective at least was drops. You know, I mean, I mean there were nine yeah. drop balls, and it just got so frustrating watching, you know, mm-hmm. going into the fourth quarter. And it's like this game could be so much different had we just caught another pass or two. And, and I mean, DuVernay is – the exact opposite of that. <laughs> I mean, the guy is yeah. just absolutely has hands of glue. You know, there's no, yeah. there's no real, it's, I, I mean, there's I no real add, issue with that at all, but I'll let you if, go into that. If, if I may add, he, Duvernay led the CFB in 2.0, 2.04 drop rate, which is the best in the CFB, only behind fellow Ravens, James Crochet. So we needed that. It was, if you were at that game, and you were just sitting there watching this over and over and over and over again, it it just it kills you. It annoys you. And Duvernay, first of all, he fits our he fits our offense. His tempo is with that four point three nine unofficial speed. You need that with Lamar. His he is that slot guy that Lamar could use. His elusiveness and his ability to break tackles, which I believe he led the CFB in as well. You can get him in a slot, just launch him have him and then go 90, 90 yards with him. He can outrun, he'll outrun you. He will outpower you and he will just overall beat you. I am extremely, extremely, extremely high on Devin DuVernay. And I think he will be, in my opinion, our most successful prospect. And that says a lot from this class. Yeah. I mean, right. it, was a, it was a great pick, you know, cause like last, sorry, just one more to the, you know, cause like last week when we did the show, both of us, you know, both of us had him in our top five as, you know, best fits for the Ravens. So that was really great to see it at that spot in the yeah. drafts as well, that we can get one of our best fits yeah. that late. So if, if he, if Matavike wasn't at uh, 71, I would have put uh, him as our skill of the draft. And if we didn't also be thinking, yeah. Jose, he would have been our skill of the draft, but he kind of got muddled by yeah. that, but he's still by far one of my favorite prospects in this class, if not the, uh, 
And he's by far my favorite Ravens prospect. He's by far one of my favorite prospects in this entire draft. For sure, Next, for sure. Uh, the Ravens take OSU linebacker Malik Harrison at number 98. I mean, it, it just seems like it's getting old with me saying this, but just the, the value at 98 was absolutely incredible. You know, like a lot of guys, a lot of analysts and media had him as, you know, like the linebacker number five, second round prospect. And, you know, he just ended up falling because, I mean, there's so many other, you know, great prospects, you know, a lot of wide receivers going, causing the fall, but just the value was insane. I mean, you know, he had a 22.6 pressure rate last year at Ohio State, and I was only behind his teammate who went number two in the draft, Chase Young. Yeah. He is an excellent that. tackler, very aggressive. You know, 66% of his tackles were solo. You know, he's got yeah. he's got the build. He's very big, but can still move sideline to sideline. I mean, this was, like you said earlier, just a perfect one-two combo for him and Queen. Yeah, so. symbiosis. He is for sure. The, he's the perfect match for Queen, and he will because he is not considered a cover. He's not considered a coverage guy, and he was considered one of the worst coverage linebackers in the draft of the selected picks. Uh, Queen obviously is one of the better coverage linebackers in this draft, but also one of the not the better tacklers in this draft. Malik Harrison, the complete opposite, complete perfect relationship. You not you're not going to ask Patrick Queen to uh, do those run, those run-stopping tackles, you're not going to need to ask Malik Harrison to do those coverage plays. And if you watched the Ravens in, say, 2017, we kind of had that problem because we were kind of asking, yeah. we were trying to ask DJ Mosley to cover, we were trying to ask him to run, and we were trying to ask him to uh, pass rush. So two, for the price, two, two players that are complete opposites become one instead of having one player that can do eh at both. So yeah, I, I really that, think it kind of gives us that uh, you know CJ Mosley and Chris Orr type feel as well. You know, just two guys that are going to feed off each other yeah. could really be a dynamic duo for us. Yeah, it's it's just that per- we needed it because, like as you said, the last duo that we kind of had that was anything close to this was Chris Orr and CJ Mosley, and unfortunately Orr's career was ended un- unexpectedly, and Mosley left for the Jets. And apparently half the Ravens did as well, but that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, the Ravens take Mississippi State O-line Tyree Phillips at pick 106. I'm going to let you uh, take over on this one. Okay. So, I'm going to be honest. I am not very big on Tyree Phillips. I don't – I will think – I do think he will transition to guard in the NFL and that he will be – a depth guy. I don't think he's our starter. I think uh, the next pick at 143, Ben, ben Brenderson is. And, I agree with Brenderson, that. Excuse me. He, and we will go over him in a minute. I hope I am wrong, and I hope he proves me wrong. And I mean that absolutely. He's talented, but he's just he's, – I don't know how to – I just don't like it. I really about it. Um, next up, I, the I mean, pick. you know, just the – sorry, go ahead. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, I was just going to add, you know, I think like the the one year of of starting at left tackle at Mississippi State, you know, he's he just didn't seem to really have, you know, like that athletic yeah. ability that really is going to make him transition to the NFL. 
And I really think yeah. that this was kind of like the one pick that the value just wasn't, you know, amazing. You know, I, I, I feel like he could have been there later in the draft. I feel I feel we should note that some people do think this was a good pick. There's a handful of people. There's a good amount of people that do think this was a good pick. I don't know about that. I dis- I disagree with most of them, but we'll see in the future. He's he's away for the next four years at least. So for sure to the future. Ravens take offensive guard Ben Brenderson at pick 143. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he wins our open guard spot. I, I really, really liked what I saw at Michigan, you know, just with some of the game tape that I watched. And, you know, that Harbaugh connection, I'm sure, really, really influenced this pick oh, yeah. as well. But, I mean, he's a, he's a mauler, man. Like, this, yeah. this guy really could be – I mean, we we really could have found our Yonder replacement. Like, it's it's crazy to say that, but it's fair to mention that Yonder was. Those shoes. It, it, it's fair to mention Yonder was one of these mid round picks, and when we drafted him, yeah, he was a he was not expected to make. He was not expected to become like this. No one expected it. He worked his ass off, and look at him now. Yeah, he is I mean, a probable Hall of Famer. Yep. So and I I honestly sounds, you know, you know, too too big, but I I think we we did find a replacement here and he he could be starting day 1 for us and playing I well agree. too, not just starting and struggling but playing well. So I agree. Bredersen is he's first and foremost he's the perfect body and uh yeah, perfect body and frame for a guard. He was an and second to mention, he was extremely, extremely effective in Michigan's run game. Extremely effective. And if you've watched the Ravens last year, you should know how much we rely on our run game, especially in those in up the middle. Oh, yeah. And Yonda was a big part of that. So you need someone that can be an effective, effective run guy. And Bredersen is one of those people. He's not as fast as he needs to be, but he's a guard. And unless we're going to be doing pulling stunts, I don't think that will be quite the issue. He's a strong guy. He's a powerful guy, very powerful guy. So I think he will be on his replacement. I don't know if it will be next this year. I do think he will win the starting job next year. But I do think he will be our long-term replacement for Marshall Yonda. All right, next up, the Ravens use the infamous Kari Vedvik trade pick like Broderick Washington at pick 170. You know, I mean, this is a guy that not a lot of people knew about going into the draft, and I'm sure there were a lot of comments, you know, like, who? Once we once we picked him. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, there I, are some I things to like. Yeah, and there are some other things that, you know, are a little bit interesting. You know, I mean, for him, he's definitely going to give you a lot of effort every single play. He's got a high motor. He's got a great bot. He's got a great build. Excuse me. He's got a ton of power, but you know, like some of the cons are, it's just tough to define like what position he's really going to be at. You know, he yeah. he's listed at he's listed at defensive tackle, but he also plays edge rusher. You know, he just doesn't. I he doesn't have a whole lot of pass rush moves. Yeah, I just don't think he doesn't have a whole lot of pass rush moves. He's mainly limited to power moves, but you know, I, I guess. You know, the Ravens really fell in love with a guy who was a team captain for the last two years. Um, but, you know, I'm, again, the pr- production for him wasn't amazing. You know, in 33 games, he had 134 total tackles. 
only 14 tackles for loss and only seven and a half sacks. You know, again, like maybe there's something that we're not seeing. Maybe they feel like he can develop well, but it's going to be tough. You know, he's going to get caught in a log jam, you know, at the defensive yeah. line with how many guys we have. And I, I do think he could make the roster just because, you know, cutting a fifth round pick it so early. Yeah, I don't see it, but he's going to be size increased to 55, uh-huh. so it increases his odds. But well. it's going to be an uphill battle for him to be active on game days for sure. Um, so yeah, I, um, you know, as, I, go ahead. As sorry. you said, as you said, he's. I don't think he will be active game days. I honestly, I'm. I don't think he will make the roster. To be honest, I think he will make the practice squad at this current at my current. Yeah. Time. Okay. The Ravens, I agree with that. The Ravens scouting director said he is a uh, Ravens scouting director Joe Horitz called him a very versatile guy, which I do trust. I do trust our head scouting director. I just don't know if he's going to do much for us at this current time, and I think he needs some time to marinate and and develop, especially with how deep this D line is. Because we signed Wolf, we've got Matabike, we've got Calais Campbell, of course. We've got Williams. We've got – we just lost Pierce, luckily for him. But we, there's just – we have a lot of pass rushers. Or not – we don't – excuse me, pass rushers. We have a lot of interior D linemen, and I don't think he will be a pass rusher for us. He doesn't have those – he doesn't show those abilities. Yeah. So Yeah, he doesn't have that, that, the, all the moves that he needs. So, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. All right. Adam, you have a lot to say about this guy, so I'm just going to let you take it all away. Ravens select wide receiver James Prochet at pick 201. My absolute favorite pick. Um, you know, I I honestly don't know how he fell so far. I mean, I guess one of the only things that I can think of is his competition. You know, being at SMU, I guess he wasn't up against, you know, some of the best schools. But, I mean, he, he dominated think- his, his – Entire I, career, I think he would have been he would have been higher drafted if this wide receiver class wasn't as deep because this wide receiver yeah. class pushed pushed a lot of guys that would be considered first round talent out of the first round and even all the way down to maybe even the third round. There is a lot of wide I receivers. Agree with that, that, yeah, there's a lot of talented wide receivers in this class that, and I think it was if I remember correctly, it was 28 of them drafted. There was a, which is a lot for a single draft, especially just purely drafting. And I feel a good, a lot of good, a lot of those wide receivers, including your first rounders were not, or were behind where they should have been drafted. So, and I think Prochet is one of them. Yeah. But I mean, just his stats are just absolutely insane. You know, I mean, over the last, last two years, he had 204 receptions, which is 27 more than the next closest receiver in college football. He had 457 targets and only nine drops, which totaled out to be a 2.05 drop rate, which is only behind as well uh, Raven as well, uh, Devin Duvernay. He had 1,225 yards last year and 15 touchdowns. I mean, he was tied for the most receptions uh, last year in college football as well, and he was one of five wide receivers with at least 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. And the other four being C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, yeah. Tyler Johnson, and Antonio Golden. And Prochet was picked last. You know, he, he's a guy that plays 
a lot bigger than what his size is, and definitely one of his biggest strengths is contested catchability, which is something that we've needed and for quite a while, in, in my opinion. You know, his cuts are super sharp, really fast, and to me, again, next to DuVernay, he has the best hands in the draft and was one of the most productive wide receivers in this draft as well. One of the only yeah. cons that he really has is just, you know, his build is a little small and his athleticism could be a little bit better. But again, he plays so much bigger than what his size is. He's he's five eleven, two hundred pounds, but he plays like he's six three. I mean, the guy just is a freak in contested catches. Yeah. And this again is my favorite pick, and I could not be higher on James Forshay. SM. SMU wide receivers currently have a really good uh, track record. They have a currently. great Courtland track record right now. Especially with Cortland sure. on the Emmanuel Broncos. Sanders and Sanders as well, yep. They have a really good track record. So I think Prochet will be a beast for us. And yeah, finally, definitely. with our seventh round pick, the Ravens selected Geno Stone, pick 219. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy that analysts – and statistics are pretty mixed on. You know, I mean, he was a second-team All-Big Ten safety last year, and he's got some pretty incredible stats. You know, he only allowed nine first downs in coverage in the last three years, which was the least in college. He has over also, 600 snaps at free safety. Sorry, go ahead. Also, before you mentioned, uh, analysts loved him and uh, because mainly Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network had him at a plus 91 value for him. So he liked him. So I believe yeah, for we sure. have a player here. I'll let you continue. Yeah. Sorry. Again, he only had or he had over 600 snaps of free safety, and he was only responsible for giving up 137 yards, which is incredible yeah. for a college career. Pro football yeah. focus, you know, I know not a lot of people are huge on that site, but they had a second-round grade on him. I mean, you know, like you said, a lot of people really felt like this was a perfect fit for our defense and really don't know why he fell. But some of the cons he had was he has a 74.4 tackle rate, which Mm. ranks 55th out of 61 eligible safeties in the Big Ten. Which is not good for field tacklers. Not going to fly. But, you know, I, I mean, he's good against the run. Very, very smart. Very high IQ player. But... I think his best chance, you know, to make the roster day one is going to be if he provides immediate special teams help, which I think he can. And I do think he'll make the roster, but it'll be tough. We're going to have to make some tough decisions this year when it comes to the 55 man. We are very lucky. It'll be interesting. All right. So, there's a, we picked the seventh-round safety. There's a very notable uh, late-round safety that we took just a couple of years ago, Chuck Clark. Clark was, I believe, a sixth-rounder, if I remember correctly. And the only reason at that time he was making the team because of special teams, then now he is a starter for the Ravens over was Tony Jefferson. So there is potential because special teamers, we do have a special teams coach, and he's turned into a head coach, just the same analogy. Special teamers can turn into star players. It's happened before, and, it, and I think it can happen now. He's a talented sure. player, and as you, as we, I said, ninety, he had a ninety-one plus value on him. So that's round, I believe, four or five, if my math is correct. 
And so the yeah. potential, and he will – he just has to work his way up the, the ladder. He's got two hard safeties to beat, though, and he's got a really good backup, Deshaun Elliott, to work with. So, But he does have the benefits to working with, in my opinion, one of the smartest safeties in the NFL, Chuck Clark, a future Hall of Fame safety, Ned Reed, and he's got uh, Deshaun Elliott as well. So he just got to use all of his resources and work his way up. Yeah. I definitely think it was a great value pick, like you said. I mean, it's a great late-round flyer. I mean, what do you have to lose with a seven-round pick? It was, exactly. it was a good pick all around. So. And that pick was traded. We got that pick from the Vikings as well for trading back, as of course, the Raven way. So we didn't just – we got that pick, and we used it on someone that had some very good value. For sure. All right, so for Adam sure. – Adam, you had some final thoughts. I'll let you take control. Yeah, I mean, you know, this draft as a whole, the theme of this draft really showed Takasa's mentality that, you know, drafting for needs isn't really the the solution. You know, I mean, exactly. our needs per se going into this, into this draft were edge, linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive line. And, you know, even though we double-dipped at the last three positions, it really felt like all of the players that we took were the best player available regardless. You know, I mean, yeah. Lee Harrison in 91, that's the best player there. Uh, you yeah. know, Prochet at um, 201, that's the best player there. And now, granted, we traded Dobbins up for him, but that's still the best well. player there. Dobbins at 55, best player there. I mean, it just seemed like, Pattern. for the most part, most of this draft was just BPA. And it all, another theme for this draft that I just seemed to get was that we were taking guys – who are NFL ready, you know, high IQ yeah. guys who have started yeah. for three to four years and have yeah. been team captains for at least two, have been vocal leaders, have been, you know, really just like leaders on the team that are going to come in and make an immediate day one impact. And yeah. for me, this was a top three NFL draft. And I mean, you know, it's tough to find one that's better, but I'm not going to be the guy that says this was the best draft. And be, you know, biased because there were, you know, five or six other teams that had Cowboys. amazing drafts. I was and say that one. Cowboys. Cowboys, Vikings, Bengals, you know, a lot of the AFC North yeah. comes to mind. Um, but yeah. either way, this really, this draft really draft. set us up well for the future. So yeah. that's my, uh, that's my overall thoughts on the draft. As you said, we have, we are in a win, we are in a win now position. At, but at the same time, we have drafted players that will affect us now. Prochet, Duvernay, Queen, but we have also drafted for the future. Geno Stone, Ty- Tyree Phillips, yeah, Tyree Phillips, Ben Bredersen, Dobbins. We are not. We want to win now, and we want to get to the Super Bowl. But we also have to make sure that we don't lose ourselves, because for sure. teams have fallen from grace like that. Yeah, mainly like the Rams. The Rams after they had that just massive wave of all of those contracts, now look where they're at. They have to, and they are still, and they're trying to just grasp their way back up by using all of their draft picks. And it's currently not doing them so great. So yeah, we just got to make sure that we can keep this win now mentality for as long as we can. And we have to make sure we do that by drafting players that will, give us immediate aid, but at the same time, give us development. We can develop these players into something, and hopefully they will be a long-time Raven, the next Yonda, per se. So, 
For sure. We've got to make sure we have that right we have that right combination. For sure. All right. So, Definitely agree with you. So next up, who do you think will be a bigger – or as we drafted two wide receivers in this draft, Devin DuVernay, James Crochet, both are your some of the most productive uh, wide receivers in CFB. Both of them were top three in receptions, and both were very effective receiving yard guys and touchdown guys. So, Adam, who do you think will be more productive on the Ravens, James Crochet or Devin DuVernay? I think I know your answer. Yeah, I mean, I think if you heard from me saying that James Crochet was my favorite pick, that kind of gives gives you the answer. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I think one of the biggest reasons for me with that is that I think Crochet is going to come in and win our punt return man and kick return man job. You know, in college football, he had 50 punt returns for 382 yards, and he had 31 kick returns for 615 yards. So, you know, he's obviously very experienced, and his open field vision is just very, very good. Um, you know, so I, I really think my biggest reason that he, I think, will end up being a little bit better than, than Devin, that's not to say that, you know, Devin will be very, very good for us. It's just that he's going to be, you know, that power return and kick return man day one, I think. That's that's that my prediction at least. For sure. He added abilities. And I am the other guy. I think DuVernay will be our guy. He, I am, as I said before, I'm extremely high on DuVernay. His productivity last year at Texas was almost unmatched. He was fifth in receiving yards, third in receptions, only behind fellow Raven James Prochet, and first-round pick Justin Jefferson. His ability to make yards after catch and his ability to break tackles, which were 28 in 2019, make him a great slot target with that elite downfield speed. He doesn't drop the ball much, leaving the CFB with 2.04%, and he fits that. He just fits the Ravens perfectly. He's got he's got that slot ability, which as people like to joke, Lamar isn't the deep ball guy, which is fine. Slot Devin Duvernay will do the rest. Devin Duvernay exactly. can break tackles, and he can just outrun you. And that's what and that's what I feel. That's what the Ravens are setting up for. Perche and Duvernay are both going to fit into that type of scheme. We aren't gonna let we're gonna let Lamar do his job, and we'll let the wide receivers do theirs. Combine it with both, and that's just a successful offense, and it's shown. So yeah, I mean our, our wide receiver group is looking so much better than it did last year. <laughs> yeah, and it's just to mention it's all speed, very fast group of people. I track mean, team. the Hollywood, yeah, track team. That's the best way to put it. I'm pretty sure Hollywood was a track guy and DuVernay was a track guy. I don't know about Prochet, but yep. Prochet was a track guy. There you go. All right. Yep. So we, we we both have this man as our seal of the draft, Mr. Justin Matabike. Adam, you can go ahead. Uh, I mean, again, sounds like a broken record, but the value here at 71 was just incredible. You know, a lot of people had him as, the defensive tackle number three behind Kinlaw and Brown, and they were both on by 14, and we got Matabike at 71. You know, yep. I think really the only reason he fell is just because he's a little inconsistent on the stat sheet sometimes. You know, sometimes he'll, he'll kind of fade away in games and he'll kind of like not hear his name for, you know, a quarter or two. But, you know, these last two years he had more pressures from a DT than any other DT in the SEC with 51, which is just absolutely yeah. insane. I mean, and 
you know, he's gotten a lot of comps, but I think one of the crazier ones that I've seen is because of his athletic ability, some have even compared him to the Bills at Oliver, which is just that that'd be insane value at 71. Obviously pro comps don't, you know, always come true, but it just yeah. goes to show like what this guy's potential really is. Yeah. And again, I'm just going to go back to the value. I mean, this guy was a top 50, top 40 prospect yeah. and we got yeah. him at plus 25 value 71. at 71. So yeah. that's just incredible. Yeah. He was as, as, as Adam has said, he was the third best he tackled some four to some, but I had three, the third best. He was a top 50 prospect in the second round projection, and that is just a steal at 71. So he's a 300 pound D tackle that can, he's a 300 pound pass rusher. I shouldn't even say call him a D tackle. He's a 300 pound pass rusher, but he recorded 5.5 sacks and 11.5 and 11. tackles for loss. The most primarily, the stat you should look at is his pressures. He had 51 of them last year as a D tackle, as a guy on the inside. He's got to go through two people typically. To get to that, to get to uh to the quarterback, fifty-one. Just remember that fifty-one. That's an insane amount for a D tackle. He brings that interior pass rush presence presence that was non-existent in the Ravens' twenty nineteen. Go watch the, the Titans game. He he also has three veteran interior pass rush or interior D linemen to work with. Williams. He's got Wolf. He's got and primarily he's got Calais Campbell, who was a two thousand seventeen Defensive Player of the Year, and I believe one of the a great mentor for Matabike. So I think he will yeah. out very well for us in CSUs, but that's, that shouldn't be too hard when you have that kind of group with you. Yeah. Right. I just got one more point. Um, you know, I think last week, you know, we talked about, you know, at least for me, we talked about knees and defensive line depth was one of those. So, you know, that's one of the other things I really, really like about this pick because, you know, who who knows how much longer Wolf, Kalias, and Brandon are going to be with us. And two years down the road, I think we really found our replacement at that spot. So this was just a great pick all around. Yeah, it's a futures pick and a win-now pick. All right. With the Ravens not picking an edge up at any edge rusher, in this draft, it appears that they see Matt Judon as their guy. Judon started all 16 games for the Ravens in 2019, racking up 54 tackles and 9.5 sacks. So what do you think? Was this the right move? Adam? I am going to go with yes. You know, I think this class of edge rushers was relatively weak, and, you know, I didn't really feel like at any point in the draft that there was a guy worth reaching on or trading up for or – you know, whatever. It just didn't feel like at any of the picks we had and the players that were available that there was somebody really there that, you know, really felt like was going to fit us or, like, you know, really have an impact for us. But, I mean, with Judon, you know, I think his impact on the stat sheet doesn't really fully compare to it on the field. And, you know, I, I know that, like, one of the biggest things against him is his asking price, uh, you there know, for his contract so. extension, which – it's it's high. I, I'm like I'm not I'm not gonna say it's not. It, it's high for him, but yeah. I definitely feel like he is that we're better with him on the field. Um, I I don't think that you can deny that. And I think this year he finally has the pieces around him that he can be that star pass rusher, like he was the complement to Zadarius. You know, now everyone around him is now the complement to him, and. I'm going to go on record and say that he's going to have a career year 
and I'm going to say that he's going to have over 12 sacks this year. If he does that, if we don't get an extension done within the next month, I feel like Judon may price himself out of Baltimore with all of the contracts that we have coming up. And if he has that career year that I feel like he could have, I don't see him being a Raven much longer. Yeah, I agree with that. So, as you as you said, he is asking for top dollar. And the top, the current top paid D lineman, or not D lineman, excuse me, pass rusher in the NFL is Khalil Mack, and he's getting paid $22 million a year. I don't feel his production matches that. He doesn't match those top three guys, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, and former Ravens, Zardarius Smith. Smith, for example, came off, just came off a record contract and and at that time, at a record contract, and now he has a career year of 13.5 sacks. Judon's career year is 9.5, which is a bit – it's kind of close, but not for his asking price, in my opinion. His price also takes away from notable contracts that we'll be having in the future. So, he will um, – he yeah, his contract will take away from the future. We have Ronnie Stanley making – who will make record money after Tunsil's contract. Marlon Humphrey, due for top dollar, and Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown Jr., who will be up there as well. And, of course, there will be Lamar Jackson, who will be, at this pace, will undoubtedly break any quarterback contract record in direct in the NFL. So we can't waste, of course, I, I'm going to assume about 18 to $20 million on a Ravens position just to turn that – a position that the Ravens just turn out on. Of course. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased towards you because he's one of my favorite players. But I think if we can somehow strike a a um, a contract extension, um, you know, within like the $16 million range, I think that that, that, that could uh, really bode well for him. But, I mean, I, I think he's going to have a great year this year regardless. So, yeah, I agree. But it's also fair to mention that he has not signed his franchise tender yet. So that is something to watch out for. All right. For sure. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for turning in, tuning into this week's episode of Inside the Flock, brought to you by Wainwright Sports Network. And we hope to see you next week, same time and same place. I hope, you have a, I hope every one of you have a good week. Thank you for listening. You're now tuning in to a sports talk podcast produced by the right way sports network and CEO Malik Wright. Be sure to follow the team's social media on Instagram at TWS net on Twitter at TWS net and on Facebook at the right way sports network. We want to change the way you view sports and get your information. And there's only one way to do that. The right way.